All right, ready, ready, ready? Ready. We're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. We are good. This is episode 24 for my non-Spanish speaking homies. That's 24. 24 like Kobe. Yes, like Kobe. And my next guest is a Texas, a Louisiana, and now a Kansas fucking legend. (laughs) (laughs) Shakira. Martin. <laughs> no, you gotta say the whole thing. Comes a Shakira Martin. You gotta Martin, say it like that. We, Shakira, we, Martin. we gotta do it. <laughs> How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great. I'm honored to be episode 24. It's like we're coming up on Kobe Bryant's anniversary. It's about to be a tough one, but the fact that that is my dude, that was my man, that was my my hero, and to be 24 for your episode it just it, i mean like you know what i'm saying it just it, it it's for a reason and i'm grateful oh, to be here Thanks for having that's, me. that's crazy right like where, where were you when when you heard the news i was asleep on my couch and my best friend called me and she was like hey did you hear that they're saying kobe died and i was like shut up bro like i just woke up from a nap like what are you talking about she's like bro check your phone and I checked my phone and I I remember I just broke down in tears like I cried let me tell you being a Lakers fan in San Antonio is already rough and then like I'm 29 so I vividly remember when the Spurs were going back to back to the playoffs and as well as going like to that that championship game and then like competing against the Lakers like as a Kobe Bryant fan it was hard I remember wearing a jersey to a Spurs game and they were like hey you're wearing a jersey of a rapist and I was only like a 12 year old kid like not understanding what they were saying so like for the longest like it was hard for me to be a Spurs fan like I was not rocking with the Spurs because like their fans were like hating on Kobe Bryant like how can you hate on him? Like, I don't give a damn what he did. It's Kobe. That, that boo, bro, that's me. That's, that's honestly me. I hated him. Like, I just hated him because he was, I, mean, <laughs> I think once I became a, a teenager, I, I became like a, like, I just love basketball so much. And I'm like, damn, this motherfucker is fucking, like, he's perfected basketball. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> One of my favorite Kobe moments, um, aside from my, my altercation with him, um, was... Was I think it was the conference finals against the Suns in 2010, and he slaps Alvin Gentry's ass after he makes a three-pointer over Grant Hill. I don't know if you remember that. Like, Grant Hill is, like, literally, like, all over Kobe plays the most perfect defense you could ever play on a human being, and Kobe hits a fadeaway three, slaps First Alvin Gentry off, on the butt. Grant Hill, like, what year was that? 2010. Grant Hill wasn't Grant Hill, but, like, he was still, like, a really great defender. Like he was with the Suns, it was, but I still remember that. But same year, my homegirl and her sister take me to the Spurs game and we're like on the seventh row and the Spurs are killing them. And Kobe and George Hill get into it. Kobe gets the tech, he's walking to the bench and I'm screaming, get your ass on the bench. You lose it, look at the scoreboard. And I swear to God, this fool stops, gives me the mamba stare. And I, I look at my friend, I was like, it was her. <laughs> She had the deep voice. <laughs> it wasn't me, sir. 
bro, like this fool punked me out from <laughs> eight rows away. RIP, man. Like so many. Oh, man. I'm grateful that I got to watch basketball and I got to grow up looking at a man like his stature. I, You know what? We're all human at the end of the day. And yeah. I'm not condoning the allegations that were towards Kobe or anyone in that matter um, when it comes to like something so serious. But we're human. We make mistakes. And it's just, it, it was a pleasure to watch a man like him, even after it, like he learned from that situation. He became a better man. You saw the human aspect of him as well as like this basketball guru on the floor, just transform his game. And to watch that, it's just wild. So RIP to oh, him. For real. Like literally my, my first live shot on TV ever. You know, as a TV reporter, because I was a writer for years and, you know, I started with Spectrum in December 19. And my first live shot was the Kobe mural over there in Universal City. And I was shitting bricks. But literally, I, I still remember my, my, um, my script. You know, I basically said, you know, Kobe broke the hearts of Spurs friends in um, 01, 02, 04, and 08. And after last week's helicopter crash, I cured, killed nearly X amount of people. The Black Mama broke the hearts of Spurs fans one last time. And I was just like, I don't even know how I memorized all that. I, and I guess it was a Spurs fan in me. It was just like, man, like, you know, it, it hurt me a lot. Because I was like, damn, like. Yo, know. because like being from San Antonio, like be, we are the west side of the whole like shit. So when you got... Kobe, who you've identified with, even if you are a Spurs fan or you're not, like, you've seen this man. Like, he's a part of the West Conference. So mm -hmm. it's just one of those things where you grew up watching him. So, like, it hit home for, for many of us. And I like in the new Tony Parker uh, documentary on Netflix, he said Tony Parker is the reason why he doesn't have more championships than what he has. And to yep. me, like, that shows the level of competition between the Spurs and the Lakers. I mean, now the West Conference is just, like, way different from what it used to be. Yeah. But for yeah. sure, San Antonio was a powerhouse, and it was always San Antonio and the Lakers. And that was a fucking honor to even have that. Like, San Antonio was on the map. Like, what, what was, like, it was, like, it was, like, a ridiculous stat. I think it was from, like, 99 until, I don't even know. I think from 99 until, what was it, 2010. Like, what, the Spurs and Lakers had, what, nine championships between each other? And it was, like, mm -hmm. damn, like, that's, that's literally the whole decade. That's ridiculous. It's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh. Like, yeah, I remember when the Spurs beat the Lakers in 03. And I was like, finally they beat them because Shaq just freaking destroyed Timmy. And, and isn't that the following year when Derek Fisher made the point oh four shot? Oh my God. I had that t-shirt. I remember my mom was doing my hair and like I ran out of the house with like tracks following me or chasing me I'll say because she was sewing in my hair we were watching the game and I could not stand still I remember that shot yo like matter of fact I have that on my blanket right here like I got a blanket full oh no yeah I got a blanket full of like moments of like uh, 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 moments of like from from like growing up and yeah 
Yes, yes, sir. Point uh, oh four, and it came from Cali. My my auntie had to send me that shit. I'm not. I'm not gonna cry. I'll cry later. Cry so later. I I had um. So I don't know if you remember Devin Brown. He played for the Spurs. Of course. Yeah, San Antonio legend. Played at West Campus. Played at UTSA. So I interviewed his dad, James. Always at Cowboys. Yeah. So his dad is a um, activist. He was like a pillar on the South Side. He gave when I had him on the podcast. He gave me this, and this is the more article. And you see Devin right there, like stunned. And I'm like, damn. Damn. It's an honor to have this, but it also breaks my heart to see it. Life can happen as as quick as 0.04 on the shot clock, yo. So, so where were you born? Where were you born? San Antonio. Uh huh. Northeast side. Okay. Born and raised. The family is from the east side, though, so we were always commuting back and forth. I went to Camelot Elementary. I went to Wincrest Elementary when they did the zoning shit. Then I went to Ed White Middle School. That's where hey! I got Wait, what, what years? What years? Goddamn. Like, I don't want to tell everybody. You just said you're 29, so everybody's okay, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I graduated from high school in 2010. So I was there from 2001 to 2004. So my dad was a janitor at Ed White for 35 years. And he Who's your daddy? Jose Arredondo, the little Mexican guy with the mustache. Oh my gosh, the little short one. (laughs) Oh, yo, that's wild. Small world. That's my dad. Small world. Hey, that's what's up. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. He used to to take me to Ed White whenever, like during spring break or whatever. And um, I would hoop in the Spurs basketball leagues that he used to have there. Mm -hmm. But also, he'd be cleaning the school and he'd just like, all right, just go to the gym. And I just hoop in the gym, like literally the whole day. Or yeah. watch, watch TV in the teachers' rooms, like. <laughs> that's wow. We probably knew each other back then, or something. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I was like, I didn't know you went to Ed White. That's so dope. I graduated from Roosevelt because life took. So me. I was supposed to go to Roosevelt. All of my homies went to Roosevelt. Probably yeah. friends. You, we probably have mutual friends. But no, I, my mom. She wanted me to separate from the group because I was wilding back then. So I went to School of Excellence for a year. Hmm where you get SWATs at. I don't know if they still do that, but I used to get SWATs and then- Was that, uh, that's the one on Bassey, right? Yeah. And then from there, I went to MacArthur and that's where- That's I right, I remember you told me you went to Mac. That's right. Yeah, I went to Mac. Dang. What was happening in Northeast around that time? All I remember is that Roosevelt played, and I think it was 09 or 08, they played against Johnny Manziel and they beat him. That's, that was like Roosevelt's claim to fame at that time. <laughs> hey, Roosevelt was where it was at. I was trying to leave MacArthur so bad and make it to Roosevelt. I remember I told my principal, I ain't even supposed to be at this school. Like hoping that they was going to like get mad and send me to where I was and they was not having it. But I used to always come back to Roosevelt for sporting events, for the talent show. My best friends that I'm still best friend, like, my elementary best friend and my middle school best friend, Janelle and Latrice, like we're still kicking it. They went to Roosevelt. I still, if I, I keep in contact with one person from MacArthur, but everybody else is like from Roosevelt descendants. Like 
that's where my heart is. That's where my blood, sweat, and tears are. I didn't go to that school. I walked the gym halls, never the classroom halls, but you couldn't take me away from where my yeah. people Yeah, you're a rough rider by heart. Like, literally. Rough rider by heart. You literally are. Um, so what was it like going to Mac? Because I know uh, Mac's, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of white people go there. And there's a lot of Mexicans, too. Yeah, at the time, you know what? Like, I think the one I'll start off by saying San Antonio is like hella diverse. Like everybody's always like, it's a lot of Mexicans there. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> people, people don't understand. Check this. It may be a lot of Mexicans in San Antonio, but Mexicans have culture, cultura. Ooh, and I, like I appreciate being amongst Latinos because they truly help me really identify with culture in general. Like, I don't think we have that for black people in San Antonio. Like you have, like, you know what it's like to be black, but like, there's not an identity there because black, like if you look at American history, we were once slaves and then like segregation and like, we never had anything to identify with from the jump, but like, you know, yeah. Mexican Americans, like they have something to identify with and I appreciate at least learning about other people cultures so that is what I am the most proud about when people are like oh where are you from and I say San Antonio and they back up with there's a lot of Mexicans there well I bet you I got some cultura and you don't so like that's a difference I mean like I took Spanish since sixth grade all the way into senior year in college and that was heavily influenced from being in San Antonio. I eat carne quesada con queso. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm from San Antonio. You can take the girl out of the 210, but you can't take the 210 out of the girl. You feel me? Like, everybody's just now getting hyped about Selena, and it's just like, can you sing something other than Bitty Bitty Bum Bum or Como La Flor? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to hit you with the quequerias. Quequerias, I can Que me iba. Don't give me, hey, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's different. San Antonio is different, and that's home. And I will always be grateful from that. But like you asked me, what was it like going to MacArthur? Like I said, I'm from the Northeast side where we are heavily Black and Hispanic mm -hmm. populated. So going to a, a predominantly white school like MacArthur gave me the opportunity to just learn how to function in a different world. Yeah. And that is something that I needed. Um, there is nothing wrong with just being exposed to the streets or like a certain type of culture. But at the same time, you want to be well diverse. Yeah, you want to be able to navigate in different areas. You want to be able to adjust in your surroundings yeah. uh, or in your environment. And that's what MacArthur taught me. It wasn't always the best being like the loud black girl in the hall at a predominantly white school that's never the best they don't know how to um deal with someone like you because they've never seen someone like you and it's never yeah. fun when you are pointed out to be a minority when you know you're a minority yeah um so MacArthur was just a building a building stone for me to just learn how to navigate amongst people who were different than me Wow. No, I, I totally get that. Like, I felt the same way when I was in middle school. My mom got sick and my rich uncle, I, I always compare it and I'll, I'll, I'll send you the article. It's, it, I wrote it years ago, but I call myself the Mexican Fresh Prince because 
I moved from the west side of San Antonio to the north side by Brandeis. And, you know, my uncle was rich and my uncle's my mom's brother-in-law, like Uncle Phil. Okay. Uh, you know, my mom and my, my mom and my tia are blood, you know, just like Aunt Viv and um, Will's mom and their only son, coincidentally, his name is Carlos. So he was my Carlton, like he was my, my cousin that became my brother. And I remember um, feeling like I couldn't keep up with those kids because they had money, they had two parents. And, you know, over there, I, I learned a lot, you know, how to navigate in different areas. Um, so I feel you on that. I, I totally feel you on that. Um, I, I think we all kind of need that because I look at my peers and you put them in different environments and they feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or they feel like um, they feel inferior mm-hmm. and they shouldn't. They shouldn't. It's like, nah, like, you know, you're, you're you, like you're, you're great regardless of wherever you're at. And um, so I feel you on that. So that's cool that I'm glad you, you viewed that, you know, maybe, you know, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't the best of times, but I'm glad, you know, you took something out of it. Um, is that where you learned? Like, for me, that's, uh, I think that middle school experience for me was learning how to code switch. Did you figure out how to code switch there in high school at MacArthur? I big code switch. I was like a emo okay. girl. I was like listening to Pierce the Veil. Like, I was listening to like My Chemical Romance. Like, I was super emo, rock star, because that's what was there. And then like, I think that was like freshman, sophomore year. And then of course, we were all going to Cowboys. And then like, once I started seeing my homies at Cowboys, I was like, Hell no, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with Yeah, so then, like, that's when I, junior, senior years, when I got my, my car, I was sitting on 24s. I had 312s in the back. I was pushing a Mitsubishi Galant. Oh, I had Yeah, I had a Galant, man. It was my mama car, and I just low-key took it and decked it out. What it's color was it? What it color was it? It was burgundy with mirror tint windows. San Antonio for you. My sister had a burgundy collage. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The decal says sim pretty. I had three twelves. I was knocking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you can't she had knock no rock and roll. Had subs. You know what I'm saying? I, I kind of want to get back to like pimping out my car. Like when mm-hmm. I get another car, you can't pimp out a Jeep Patriot. Oh, um, that'd be like, like what you look like. But when I get a new car, like I do want to like get a sound system back in that thing because I appreciated that back in high school, man. Like I was, I was rocking Waka Flocka. That's when like Gucci man had chicken out. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's for the old real 1017 squad. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I, I got it. I, I, one of the, one of the coolest things that I learned about you and you, you fucking, you, you corrected my ass so quickly because I never knew anybody else that knew about them. But when you had, I think it was like a birthday post or something, you had PKO on there. And I said, you know about PKO? You said, my daddy was in PKO. And I was like, oh shit. I can't my even bad. I am so sorry. That's wild. Yeah, my dad is Nina. My dad, um, wow. Uh, My dad was a street legend Mm -hmm. or is a street legend. legend. Yeah, uh, he was rapping. I'm like on one of the tracks uh, on one of the, the albums that he put out. Hey, I grow to learn more about my dad each day. Like, he wasn't like what the rappers are like. 
in today's society like oh I'm just an aspiring artist like no my dad was really like getting looked at by like major record deals and like on the billboards and he was really doing his thing he and then was writing articles about them yeah lyrics like that's how big they were they they had a heavy influence um and you know like today he still raps he still has a love for it it's a hobby for him he's a he's a a grown man now doing his marketing firm shout out to my pops i'm gonna have to send him this oh yeah (laughs) yeah because i remember um damn oh dude i totally forgot what i was gonna say i totally forgot what i was gonna say but yeah, my, one of my homies, he owns a business, uh, he owns a coffee shop, and he's like, hey, you should really do a story on, on Mark's Audi, and I was like, I was like, I was like, the burger spot? He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, he used to be a rapper, I was like, for real? Yeah, magic. Yeah, so then, you know, I interviewed him and stuff, and it was cool, and, you know, I, for me, I'm very respectful of the people that I interview, and I, you know, I looked him up, and I saw, you know, Mark Audi versus State of Texas, I was like, hey, is, is this mm-hmm. you, you know? And he's like, yeah, he's like, but I don't really want to talk about it. I was like, no, for sure. I was like, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. But I do think this is like, like, no, I think this would be great, you know, to show the the transformation that you had, you know. Right. You're a Christian man. You give back to the East Side. You've been giving back to the East Side for almost two decades now. It's like, to me, that is a beautiful story. A lot of people, a lot of us from San Antonio can resonate with that. Yeah, and I use that as a way to tell, uh, you know, to say like, you know, local businesses like this can give guys who were once incarcerated a job. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come out of jail, you know, it's it's hard to get a job. And um, he ended up calling. I remember I had, you know, he's like he's like yeah, that's me. I remember him calling me, and I I I guess it was just the way I treat him. Though I treat I treat everybody the same, and you know, I treat everybody with respect. And he called me, he's like, yeah, you know, I got out on parole, such and such. And, I, and the story came out beautiful. And I was like, oh my gosh. But it was just so crazy how I came across BK was just because of my, you know, one of my homies told me about it. And I started listening to them. I was like, dang, like this slaps. And I actually have, I don't know who it was that was wearing that jacket in one of the album covers. I think they're in like a graveyard or something, but they're wearing that Spurs jacket with the Fiesta logo on it. I don't know. I don't know if you remember, but I'll show I do know what you remember because you know their music is on <laughs> the music is on Apple playlist, giving my dad and them free promo. Y'all go check out my pops. It's right uh, here. Ugh. This jacket. Okay, hold on. And because I remember they remember got they, like so many. Oh yeah, the graveyard one. Okay. I think he's wearing it in that one. I might, I might, I might see the jacket, but I don't know. My dad looks like, I can't even see. I need my glasses. It it, it might be Mark that's wearing it, but I just remember seeing that. I was like, so there's two of them. So yeah, no, Mark was wearing, Mark, uh, Magic is wearing, that was his rap name back then. Yeah. Um, He was the one wearing the jacket. Hmm. Um, shout out to my dad yeah yeah shout out to your dad man um so from mac where do you go from there from mac i go to sam houston state and i grow up there and 
that was a PWI, got my bachelor's in mass communication. I uh, interned and worked with Score More, which is the concert promotion company that brings you Mala Luna, Jambalaya, so is uh, that and all Camille. Yes, that is how I met her. She's crazy. Uh, and she worked with San Antonio. I was in Houston because Sam Houston was a part of the Houston market. So I was in Houston. She was here. And then when we start doing um, the festivals, is how I linked up with that beautiful soul. She's really cool. Shout out to her. Um, yeah, I, I got involved with them. And I thought, you know, that was going to be like the the way I was going to move about life, like be concert promotions and try to learn the producer gig of putting festivals and things together. And then it just came down. You know, like I met all the like cool artists that you can name of from like driving Gucci and, and Keisha K.R. from the stage to their whip for them to bounce to meeting Migos and taking them to the stage from meeting Future and telling him hey congrats on getting Sierra pregnant because at that time you know she was coming out with riding and all of that and I was like hey man like so congrats on that one you know like I've met all of the artists that I freaking love and I listen to on a daily but being in that in that industry it takes a lot for you to take the shit from the artists because they don't realize like the person you are that like some artists are just so like I remember when Travis Scott came to the uh who's the guy who used to sing gold all in my chain oh Trinidad James Trinidad James there it is uh freaking Travis Scott came to his stuff um, this was before the rodeo, and he was just so out of it. Like, he was just in his zone, but he didn't realize the encounter that he was having with people was, like, on a rude type of level. And, mm -hmm. I mean, like, I get that. You're an artist. You're making all this money. Then he was just coming up. But, you know, like, when you deal with that type of hostility, it was just, like, I don't know if this is for me. Because when I look at it, like, I'm a girl. I'm a black woman at that. I I rate myself as a 10. Like you're going to have to respect me. And then like, you don't want to be hit on, but you also want to be taken serious, but you are, well, I was a person like asking, Hey, what kind of bottle of liquor do you guys want? Or what type of backwoods do y'all like? Like there's only a certain amount of respect that you can expect from them. And I just didn't like, like, um, being treated the way I was, especially towards the end of my tenure, it was never with the company, it was with the artist. Um, and that's nothing that no, no one can handle. So I was just like, yeah, I'm going to take my college degree and do something with that. So then I graduated from Sam Houston. I was unemployed for three months in San Antonio. I got fired from all three jobs. Even on my day off, I was working at the call centers. That's hot in San Antonio. Shout out to all of those folks. Those not I know, it was hella call center jobs in San Antonio. Hella call centers. And I was like, shit, all right, we're going to do a call center. And I got fired three times. And I was just like, fuck this shit. My friend yeah. called me. She told me she was bartending at Prospect Park in Houston. She told me she made 150 
on like a quick little Monday shift. And I was like, shit, if you make it on 50, what you making on the weekend? So I remember I my I packed my 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 suitcase up and I moved in with her and I I went to Houston. So then I stayed in Houston for two years and then I was making good money and then it came down to it and I was like <laughs> We got to do something with that degree, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? You went to school. Like, you wanted to do that. Like, don't let the fast money get to you. Mm. So I applied to Texas Southern for my master's because I couldn't get into the industry because they all kept telling me, you need an internship. I didn't intern in college at Sam Houston because I thought, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was going to be with Scoremore. So I didn't intern. And then when they were telling me, hey, like you need internships, I decided to go to Texas Southern. And that's when I got my HBCU experience and felt like Ed White all over again. So, oh, it's so dope. I love yeah, that. It was you. like, I made, a, I made a full circle to it feeling is. comfortable, to feeling like myself again. And yeah. I truly enjoyed the experience of going to Texas Southern, being um, amongst my peers that looked like me, who understood that outside of these walls that are created to be a safe haven, that there's something greater that they were building me up to accomplish, uh, well, building me up to go out and, and fight and accomplish accolades that, you know, like we're still creating the first, like what the freak, like we're still talking about the first black female vice president in 2021, you would have assumed the way that people want us to get past racism and get past slavery days and segregation. Well, shit, you acting like we've been creating the first. Like, it's 2021, and we just not letting a black female into the office. Like, so that's what Texas Southern did. It set me up to trailblaze for those who are going to come behind me. And by God, like, that's all. That's all we've been doing. That's all I'm trying to do. That's all I care to do is to take care of my people and pay it forward. Now, I don't say that to say like, you know, my people and I don't don't care for the white folks. Like, no, it's not that. I love that MacArthur gave me the opportunity to be versatile and you know what I'm saying? Be like able to communicate with people who don't look like me. But there are so many people who look like me, who are minorities like me that I have to do something for them to get a seat at the table Mm. in the room that they are not allowed to. Like that is a mission because we're in 2021 and it's still not being done. Um, I know for me, like I'm a, I'm a, I, I always, and I tell whenever I speak to a college and you know, they, they ask me for advice and stuff. I, I always tell the women, I'm like, Hey, um, I like, I don't want to like lie to you and say that, you know, it's going to be easy for you because it's going to be hard, especially being, you know, a black or brown woman in this industry. Um, I was like, yeah, I'm a minority, but I'm a straight male. And mm-hmm. I have so much freaking privilege as a straight mm-hmm. male. Like, I like it. I'm, I'm just chilling. Um, yeah, I have to fight my battles, but, you know, it's not even like nearly as difficult as what, what y'all have to go through. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, you know, you're, you're, you're a black woman and it's just like, you know, Kamala Harris is, you know, like, like, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see that, but it's like, damn, we're in 2021 and that's barely happening, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, and, and it's cool that, that you say that. I think for me, like growing up, um, 
like my first experience, you know, with, with black folks was going to Ed White with my dad, but also when Katrina hit, a lot of people who were affected, they came to my hood. Yeah. They were living in the housing projects and literally my, fir my first, you know, one of, I have two best friends that I grew up with. It was Donovan and it was Montel Williams. And he said, always tell us, my name is Montel Williams like the talk show host. And all of us were like, who the fuck is Montel Williams? <laughs> like we're all Mexican, we're like what the hell? But dude, him and like all his friends, like his brother, his cousin, they're all from NOLA. And man, they put us on game about NOLA. And like literally like aside from Houston, New Orleans is one of my favorite places ever. Really? And, uh, yeah, I, I love going to New Orleans. Um, I, Cause I love jazz music, I love food. Okay. Um, I love gente, you know, gente that's not my gente, but um, you know, like, but one of my favorite experiences ever, and I, and I purposely chose it, was I ch decided to go to NABJ in 2017 in New Orleans uh, for five days. And I knew, all right, this is where we're actually going to feel like a minority because we're going to be the, I'm, I was literally the only Mexican there, but it was so fucking cool because I was learning from so many people. And I think meeting Robin Roberts uh, was really cool because um, I think, you can relate to this you know she was talking about how like the margin for error for her was very slim and if and she had to be damn near perfect because if she didn't it would have affected you know younger generations like yourself and the generations after you so I, i'm really glad that you you're you 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 understand that because it's like man like you know you're not only like you know taking care of yourself but you, you know you're you're creating a path for other women out there that, you know, want to be in this industry and they need to. And I fucking, I get, I get tired when I hear people say there needs to be more um, black and brown women that need to become journalists, whatever. I was like, they are journalists. Y'all just not hiring them. Like, yeah, <laughs> literally. That, that is major. I think um, what I'm learning, the deeper I get into this entire, uh, the, the deeper I get into my career is how representation matters. And that is something that I've told you, like, I appreciate watching your work um, and, and looking at what it is that you're doing, because like I, no matter how much I love the Hispanic culture, there's just certain things that I can't do. Um, and San Antonio is just rich with so many stories, so much culture and, also so many fights so many battles that it's good that like a man like yourself gets to work in that market and cover that because that those stories just need to be told it needs to be told to make people who can relate feel proud but it also needs to be told so when a black person watch or a white person watch or an asian person watch you were just being introduced to a different perspective that perhaps you did not think about i think one big message especially after the inauguration um on wednesday going forward is make america better than where it is that you found it and you do that by putting your comfortability aside and opening yourself up to a new perspective. So if I turn on the TV and I see one of these stories that you're presenting, it's just major because it's something that I never would have thought of. So now consuming the story that I'm seeing on TV, it makes me want to make America 
better than what I I knew it of because now I'm I'm more knowledgeable about uh, extra culture that I wasn't aware about. It ain't just about putting black people on. It ain't just about putting whatever race you are or whatever gender you are on. It's about understanding the perspective of others and feeling like what can you add to make it a plan field to where we're learning about everyone. We're being diverse. And that roots back to what I said earlier. People make fun of me because I say I'm from San Antonio, but San Antonio is why I'm so diverse. San Antonio is why I appreciate the many people that I come across because in San Antonio, the Hispanic culture taught me culture. So then I'm like, well, damn, I want more. Oh, damn, you're Nigerian? You're Igbo? Like, what does that mean? Help me understand. Like, oh my gosh, like y'all have music, y'all have Afrobeats? Teach me about that. Oh my gosh, you're Italian. Yo, I love the Godfather, but how much more can you teach me about the Italian culture than just like the stereotype that the movie Godfather has taught us. Like that has really grew on my heart because of being from the 210. So perspective and representation is very important. And I think like you do an awesome job by representing and telling the stories that need to be freaking told by someone who looks like them. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I I just just got assigned um, from my bosses and they told me like, if you can't do this, then you know, nobody else can. And they, they, they said it as a compliment, um, but I got to sign the social justice beat because uh, we never had beats before. So now all of us have beats and they gave me that. And I was like, oh shit, you know, it was inevitable. Like I, you know, especially after last year, like last year really um, allowed me to d- display my ability to tell those kind of stories. Um, yeah. You know, when they sent me to Houston to cover the George Floyd funeral, um, and it, it was great. Like, it was great in the sense that I'm glad other people were able to learn what I learned years ago about yeah. covering these issues because these issues are important. You know, they're important 24-7. They're not important when, you know, when it's, it's, a, it's a trend. It's yeah, when it's convenient. No, it's like they're, impo- like, they're important right now. You know, like right now, I've, I've, I've been doing a couple of East Side stories and, you know, I've been following up with a lot of people and it's like, these are the critical times to keep up with these stories because, you know, they're going to, you know, a lot of these, these news stations and whatever, they, they're going to let them fade away. And then, you know, they're going to cover them when it's, like you said, it's convenient. And, you know, it's, it's not right. It's, it's, it's not. And um, I'm just trying my best, you know, and I learned from, from the people because the people are the ones that educate me. Like I'll, I'll call my friends, you know, who are, you know, involved. I'm like, Hey, do you think this is insensitive, you know, you know, and I'll, I'll read something to them that I'm, I might possibly say, or, or what do you think about this? Or, um, are you comfortable, you know, with, with this video? Um, you know, I don't let people tell me how to do my job, but I also need to listen to the people because that's how we, we grow. That's how we learn. And, um, so last year was, was, it was a really great experience. You know, I was able to display my, my gifts and, um, you know, the world, Especially with the pandemic, you can't like you can't just say, "Well, I gotta go to work," you know, or "I can't do this." Like a lot of people were at home, and you can't <laughs> look away. Like it's right in your face. Right There's no face. excuse now. Yeah. Um, but like to segue back to you know you 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 go to graduate school. Um, where do you intern at? I interned in San Antonio. Uh, so funny thing is, um, I was told, "Hey, you need an internship," and I didn't get an internship 
until the summer before graduation. Wow. Um, and I got it at KBB. Shout wow. out to Don uh, and Chuck. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they uh, was like, hey, come on and intern. And I was interning for freaking free. And it was just super. Yeah. Hey, so, I remember them free internship days. Holy hey, shit. And look, the crazier part is like, I wanted to do sports, but they only, they accepted me in the internship for news. So I told them, hey, I want to, I want to uh, dribble in both. So it's like, all right, cool. So I had to go up there and I would work 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. The morning shift. Then I would come home, take a nap. And then I would go back up there to do the sport shift, which was about four or five o'clock um, to about like 8 p.m. What year is this? This was 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, oh, uh, damn. I was covering, I was an intern with Spectrum at that time. So, I mean, you know Jack then, right? Yeah. Mr. Crocs. Okay. He was, he was, he was rocking Crocs before everybody was. <laughs> Mr. Crocs. Yes, Jack. And that place really put me in a position to get my next internship, which would be in Houston, which is KPRC Channel 2. Nice. So that was a paid one. Hallelujah. Uh, and so I have four jobs by the end of my senior year. Well, my final year in grad school, just trying to hustle Damn. and grind. And then I finally graduated. And then I moved back to San Antonio and I was unemployed for seven months. And by the grace of God, Ubering was enough for me to take care of my car note, pay my, pay like a couple of bills here and there. And I never had to get like a real actual job. And I was in San, that was the first time I was back in San Antonio for as long as I was. Um, uh, this, what year this, 2018? Yeah. Wow. Yeah grinding trying to like get into the business and like getting rejected left and right um and then finally louisiana was like hey we like you come stay here so i went to louisiana um for those out there like what, what advice do you have for people because i i gotten rejected so many times too um what advice do you have for people out there who you know who expect a job you know i always tell kids you know don't expect to get you know a job right off the bat you're gonna get rejected and you know like what advice would you have for people out there who out of college honestly that seven months is when my my faith grew the strongest um and i i mean like i've always been a strong christian based uh foundation but i truly grew then because i couldn't understand the rejections like I wanted it so bad. And then I do sports. Like, that's already hard enough. Like, getting into the industry is one thing. But having, like, a specific and then people telling you, like, you can't, like, just get your foot in the door and this and that. Like, people will push their life story on their advice that they give to people. And it's just, like, just because you couldn't get in as a sports person doesn't mean that I can't. And I had to believe in myself and believe in the vision that God had put on my heart versus listening to people. 
So my advice would truly be to like get in tune with yourself and ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Like you crying every night because you got rejection, rejected, like, okay, so are you going to get back up again? And are you going to keep applying? Are you going to keep filling out those applications? Are you going to find a way to give it what it is that you want? Or are you just going to sit here and cry? Uh, you need to be honest with yourself because to some, it may not be worth it. To others, it, it, it is worth it. I didn't have a job for seven months. Like, goodness gracious, I had my master's degree and still finding the issue or finding a hard time with, yeah. like, you know, getting the job. So I just really grinded as far as how bad do I want it, the applications, what I was doing how I was strategically going about it, what to change up, being honest with myself. And it eventually happened. What's for you will be for you. What door is meant for you to walk through, it will open. It's not meant for anybody else. And like the crazier part is the person who, I was the only person to drive to Louisiana to actually interview for that job in person. And they still offered it to somebody else. And funny thing is, she denied the job. Like, she told them, nah, I'm straight. I don't want to work weekends. And so then they had to come for me. So that's what I said. What's for you will be for you. Like, you could try, they could try to give it to somebody else. But if that job is meant for you, God will work it out. Or whoever it is that you pray to will work it out and, and make it for your good. So that's what it was for me. My, my, advice is just to ask yourself how bad do you want it and then when you know how bad you want it put yourself in a position to get it yeah um when when was your first experience with understanding like hey i have to make sacrifices shit <laughs> she said shit <laughs> yeah when i had a job in college and i was trying to come home now nah. In the industry, I mean, the sacrifices really came from like working football season. Like I said, I do sports, football season or the fall is really like a no-go for me. There's a lot of things that's going on from like, what is that? Uh, is it Labor Day in September? Yeah, Labor Day. And then like missing holidays, I don't get to be at home in San Antonio for Christmas usually. So it's like, those are the little things that I'm continuously asking myself is it worth it? And I mean, there is a bigger picture. I do want to end up uh, as a sideline reporter after Pam Oliver respectfully um, retires. Hell yeah. yeah I love she gotta retire. I will not disrespect the queen. That is my mother. She is a fucking legend. She's like, a legend. Oh People disrespect her for, her for her hair and her looks. And it's just like, y'all so caught up in to the aesthetics instead of hearing what this woman is saying she's so respected by the players in her field she cuts throat with her questions she's asking questions that like people are scared to ask and that just speaks volumes and with that being said like when she retires respectfully is when i want to pursue the sideline gig but until then you know like i'm just growing and trying to figure out things i would love to come home to san antonio but like i don't want to cover the spurts nor the cowboys like there's the i hate and i i'm envious of people who have better opportunities um 
in their markets because like as a sports journalist like there's not really I mean don't get me wrong San Antonio has sports every market has sports but I love covering the top collegiate school I love color covering a professional football team that's in my backyard those are my preferences so yeah like UTSA eh. <laughs> they're, they're... But UTSA has power power folks that come out of there and they get drafted and they go to do so like to cover those athletes will be cool but I oh, mean yeah. that's not it's not an SEC like UTSA is not the SEC so you know what I mean like Con- Conference just... USA SEC it's like, it, yes. like it's, that's a no brainer <laughs> literally no brainer like that's so cool like uh, so when you arrive in Louisiana uh, you're covering high school football I'm assuming right yeah I covered uh, everything so what's what's the football culture like over there because I know in, in over here in Texas everything so it's equivalent to Texas, but it's just not as talented as Texas. I'll say that. Like Texas is on the is like top two and not two. Louisiana's like top two and it is two. Mm. And it's crazy though. Like I like how like Louisiana, Alabama, like they fucking take everybody from tech, like high school kids from Texas over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like People were like, well, UT's not good, so Texas is not good. I was like, yeah, but they don't get the best kids from Texas. Like, the best kids from Texas go elsewhere. Like, they, they did. And I try to tell people, like, no one in Texas, well, San Antonio-wise, as far as recruiting goes, like, people don't go to Texas. People don't care to go to – I mean, you get offers from Texas, Texas A&M. Growing up when I was in high school, like, Baylor was a – predominantly like top tier school but like ever since what took place with them like they have really been low and no one really goes there um but yeah like I think like there's more colleges now that are starting to expose Texas because they are pretty decent and they are playing well like Sam Houston State was one of them when I was in school that was good but now you have like U of H that's playing well you have UTSA that's playing well. And then, of course, you still have your UT, Baylor, Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, um, Tech, yeah. SMU, Rice, which, I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe we'll really want to go there. But if you go there, like, hey, more power to you. It's different schools that are just, like, really coming up and being these top-tier schools. But, I mean, like, shit, if you're not going to LSU in Louisiana, like, I mean, Tulane, cool. But it's like, Really? Yeah. Um, what was, what is one of the most important things you learned early on over there, you know, just working for that TV station? Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing cause I'm like, girl, don't, don't say nothing. They're going to get you, get you into trouble now. Now I'm just playing. Um, probably the biggest lesson that I learned was with the Saints, because I was in the locker room and I was the only black woman, um, my first year in Louisiana in the locker room. Um, it was really important for me to know how to conduct myself, Mm. um, as a respected journalist, like that at the end of the day, I don't play football, but these guys become your coworkers. Like 
they are who you cover. So relationships are very important. Mm -hmm. And like how to carry and move about a locker room was extremely important. Like I said, I worked with Scoremore. So I wasn't, when I transferred over into the news industry, working and seeing like these high profile athletes was not anything new to me because I was blessed to like, like if I could meet fucking Gucci, I could meet Michael Thomas. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if I could sit up here and work with J. Cole, I could rock with the breeze. Yes, it's apple and oranges, but it's still the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say that to say, like, how I conducted myself was just major. And I'm grateful that I can reflect. Kansas has been different because we're in a pandemic. I haven't been able to reach out to the players and coaches um, and be in the locker room of the Chiefs like I would like to be. But I can reflect back on Louisiana and be honored on the type of relationships that I developed while being there because that speaks for itself. Like these other people, like the competitors who I go against can feel how they want about me. You know, the beat writers can feel the way they want to do it. To me, like, it's about what the players feel. Because mm. at the end of the day, if you're bouncing and you got a story, who are they going to come to? Exactly. It doesn't matter if me, if you don't like me and you work for the other station, it matters if the players connect with me and they vibe with me and feel safe enough that I'm going to tell their story or I'm going to report their story and I'm going to do it in the respectful way. So that was probably my biggest lesson or the biggest lesson that I've learned so far is how to conduct yourself and to be you like we're in an industry where they want to change you. Like they want you to fit what they think you're supposed to be. And like, that's cool for some, but that doesn't work for me. I can't compromise who I am. Like I I love that. And that's, that's one thing that I really love. And I, I actually, that's how I like came across you. Like, you were like being yourself in front of the camera. Like you weren't simulating, you weren't trying to be anybody else. You weren't trying to like do any of that shit. Like you were just being yourself. And I thought that was so fucking cool. I was like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Like, and I think it was that one live shot where you're like, hold on, this is my song. <laughs> <laughs> That's my jam. That's my jam. That's what you said. Yeah. That I was, was like, dude, jam. this is so fucking dope. I was like, we need more of this. Like we need less of the fucking stiff, like, Hey, I'm Brian Gumble over here. You know, I love Brian Gumble. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Brian Gumble, but damn, it's like, you know, just be yourself, you know, and I'm glad that my station lets me, they let me be that. Yeah. The little brown boy from San Antonio. <laughs> hey man, because that accent be thick. He <laughs> is San Antonio for real. Bro, when you and your 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 homie, the photographer, sent me that video, I was dying. I was like, <laughs> Listen. yeah, yeah. Um, so how, you know, I know you know Drew just retired. How you feeling? Did he officially retire? Or I don't know. I mean, or not retire, retire, but I mean, he basically like you know put it out there. You know, it's it seems like he's gonna retire, but if he does. Well deserved. I mean, didn't get a ring again, but I mean, he has a ring and to the city of New Orleans and to the state of Louisiana, they're grateful with that and like shit, like go them. He's a a future Hall of Famer. It was a pleasure to cover a GOAT. And at the end of the day, he's from Texas. So, you know what I'm saying? Like everything from Texas is always gold. And, you know, if you're not from Texas, they usually hate on you. And 
I can understand. I would hate on the great state of Texas too. Like we're cultured at the end of the day. Like no matter where you're from, if you're from San Antonio, Texas, Dallas, Austin, Rio Grande, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so much damn flavor that comes out of Texas because of where it is. So shout out to, shout out to Drew Brees, you know what I'm saying? I, I have, I, I personally don't like him because um, I used to be a huge Colts fan. And not, not because I like the Colts, because I love Peyton Manning. I, okay, keep I was like, favorite. how the hell did you end up there? Because I hate the Cowboys. And I was like, and I, I, I just fell in love with Peyton Manning's game, just growing up watching him play. I was like, man, this guy is like, he's freaking like, it's like art watching him be a QB. And, um, and I'll never forget 2010 when um, New Orleans, New Orleans, Bang that ass, and I was just like, "Damn!" Like, <laughs> like they didn't spank. He threw an interception, and they changed the game. That Did changed you see my interview pick, with him of me asking him that? And then the, the onside kick. I asked him. No, I had just asked him, like, you know, how did it feel being from this area? and you threw a pick to give them their first Super Bowl, and that was, like, on you. Like, it could have been anybody else, but it was the guy who's from Louisiana. It was the Nola voodoo. How did it feel? And he said he still hates that. Like, yeah, that was a great interview. You made made him sing the jingle. Hell, yeah, I was trying to get some money. I'm where the money money resides. Oh, my gosh. Um... How, how does it feel like, you know, you're like, I, I, I don't know what it's like, you know, I live alone, but like, I'm still in my city. How does it feel just to be on your own in another state? Like, how, how do you navigate that? Like, I really admire people who, who can just, you know, make that, that leap of faith that, you know, just to, you know, like you said, you mentioned earlier, you can't go home for Christmas. You can't do any of that. Like, how did you deal with that? um it's been difficult it's not easy I'm not gonna lie and be like oh yeah right no shit's tough being away from my nephews and not getting to see them grow up in San Antonio they're now playing sports like that is tough um but I do understand that it's a bigger it's a bigger it's a bigger goal at the end and it's a bigger picture and I understand that my calling is bigger than me so like those are just sacrifices that they hurt but I have to just accept mm-hmm. um but I always rep Texas and I never like I like I don't give a damn if I'm in Kansas or if I'm in Hawaii or Alaska like you gonna hear about me being from Texas and how you feel about it because like I'm not from whatever state that I'm in like shit that's on you you should have been born in Texas like (laughs) you know what I'm saying like can't nobody tell me nothing about Texas we got Beyonce Mm -hmm. and that's it Beyonce. like what more else do you need to hear literally like (laughs) what more like shit we got Selena what more else do you need to hear you ever seen that video of Beyonce being interviewed and she says that even though she didn't understand Selena's music, she saw her at a mall in Houston one time and it was like a moment for her. I was just like, holy shit, dude. Like, that is crazy. Like, 
R.I.P. to Selena, man. I met her family. I went to the museum in Corpus uh-huh. Christi, and her people were actually there. And that her dad gave us a like private tour of everything and like showed us how they do things around there. And oh, wow. Suzanne was there, and that was like dope. I got them to sign my Los Dino shirt. It was yeah, dope. It was, so dope. It was dope. I appreciate it. Um, I appreciate that that family. So um, Kansas City, you know that that like you go over there. Um, was that like a no brainer? Like, all right, you know, it's time to you know I've grown here in Louisiana. Time for new like. What, but leave what, the South and go to the Midwest. Was that a no brainer? I don't know, but I know, but like you're coming. That's what you're asking me. No, but it's the. You're covering the Chiefs, like I'm covering the Chiefs. Like they're they're that team. Let me tell you, when I went to Louisiana, I had no plans to go there. I just I didn't even apply there up at first. Like I was trying to cover the SEC, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in Alabama. But was I trying to be in Louisiana? No. And it's the same for here. Like I was applying for jobs everywhere. Was I trying to be out here in the Midwest? No. Yeah. But you have to go wherever God orders your step and calls you to go. And mm. so that's what he did for Louisiana. And that's what he did for me since I've been in Kansas. Everyone thinks I'm in Kansas City. I'm in Wichita, Kansas. Like, Wichita. Like, what, <laughs> exactly. Wichita. Isn't there like Wichita in like Texas too? Yeah, Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls, that's what. That's but what. it's not the same. Yeah, it's too completely uh two completely different things but yeah like i'm i mean like i'm two and a half three hours away from kc um and it's all the same shit. Like, i've been to kc and it's like it's all the same shit like yeah no shade to them but it ain't texas you feel me <laughs> I, I for them for them like two and a half three hours is a long drive for us it's like oh shit it's like up the street like now nah, have yeah. you ever drove to el paso like <laughs> 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 have you ever did an eight-hour trip like to El Paso? Like, so I I might I might make that trip. So um, there's a there's a guy. He's a legend. He's um he played won a state championship with Lanier in 1943 and 45. He's still alive. He is healthy, and you know he's gonna talk to me about the racism that he endured. You know, back in That's the day. Dope. The dude's been on, you know, he's featured on ESPN, NBC. Like, this dude's a legend, and I have his cell phone number. And, but, yeah, so <laughs> I might have to make yeah, that drive. Dope. That drive's going to be brutal. Shit, but, that ain't dope. That's when we stop it. I know. Uh, <laughs> so, I I need to ask you, top five favorite rappers. Like, I got, I got to ask you. This is how, like. Is this it? Okay, no order. No order, no order. Like I, I although I, Kanye West is my ultimate top favorite rapper, do not argue me. Oh, dude, like he's he's in my top five. Kanye, producer, top five easily. Rapper, come on, this catalog is amazing. So it goes Kanye, Drake. Mm, okay. Nicki Minaj. Ooh. So we're at three. Um, 
My dad. Ooh, I like that. I was, I was like, I hope she picks her dad, man. I'm gonna be My dad. Uh, this last one is hard because you know what I'm saying. Like, give I me go, five, five A, five B, five A, five B. I'll be, I'll be generous. Five A, five B. You can give me. <laughs> uh, or you can do two honorable mentions <laughs> on top of number five. If that makes it easier. Um, old little Wayne would be the honorable mention Ooh. because he's not the same, but I'm going to put over him Dom Kennedy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a big Dom Kennedy. Oh, oh man. That Dom 2012. Mm-hmm. Ooh, he man. got me through a lot of days. Now, I'm not disrespecting Jay-Z, who is like, top, if we were talking about top 10, he would be up there. Kid Cudi would be up there. Uh, Future. No, I'm Shaq Hendricks. Um, Meek Mill is always on the playlist. Young Thug is on the playlist. I love me some Young Thug, man. I, I got on the Young Thug wave super late. I feel, I feel so guilty. I became a fan of his because I heard Super Slimy. Oh no, so you didn't experience him with Rich Gang? No, I didn't. Oh, you need to go and hear that album. No, I heard all his old stuff because of Super Slimy. I was like, man, I missed out on an era. Like, what what was wrong with me? Rich Gang Uh, was cheated. Oh my gosh. Uh, All right, what's your favorite bar of your dad's? Favorite bar. I know I, I I know you have like a favorite bar that you just like <sighs> Okay. And you can censor yourself if you have to. <laughs> I, it's not that is like he's probably like gonna hit like <laughs> because like my dad was like fucking wild back then. Um <laughs> Cause he would, he used to do some crazy shit. Um, except especially with uh, SPM. Um, oh, that's right. I remember they were beef. Uh, when they were beefing with um that that Cali DJ. What's his name? DJ Quick. Shit, I guess. There's like a song where they like came for his neck, and that's like one of my favorite PKO songs. <laughs> so my favorite PKO song would be "Shoot 'Em Up." Shoot 'Em Up. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. But I also love Gonna Be Alright. Mm, okay. That's a good song that I listen to like on a on a day when I just need to be reminded it's gonna be alright. Mm, okay. Um you like you you be hitting that bike pretty hard. Like, Peloton. What? My Peloton. My Peloton. Your Peloton. No, it's called a Peloton, yeah. Peloton, sorry. Um like, how long, how long do you be going on that thing? Uh, I've had my bike since July. Yeah. Um, I try to get on it, like, at least every day. Yeah. Their minimum 20 minutes. Um, it's a great workout. And 
it's my why i love i don't chase a number on the scale i don't chase an i don't chase a number um in calorie count i chase the feeling of what yeah. i like fucking shit up yeah and that's what my peloton does it gives me my why and my moment to myself of just riding and just doing something that's going to make me better oh that's so dope yeah, so I, I, just, I, I just bought a pixie and I just ride it everywhere. Like I ride it, like I park it at the station. I park my car at the station. I just ride to the east side, I ride to the south side, west side. And I'm just like, just ride around until like, I'm like, wow, I saw enough scenery today. Let me just go back. <laughs> I saw enough scenery today. Yeah, because it's like, I, I feel like this is my new way to get a story. It's like just riding through neighborhoods. And I got a couple stories by riding on my bike. So you got to get out and, and, and explore exactly and you can't like these motherfuckers like can't can't develop a source and i'm like bro let's go just literally go in the neighborhood hang out spend time with people like don't expect a story just hang out with people literally and they'll they'll remember that they'll have a story to tell you you a story will find you without you searching for it and those are the best stories that you can find honestly like literally um so how do you, you know, how do you keep yourself entertained in this pandemic? Um, well, I was binge watching Grey's Anatomy and I have officially ended because I'm done. I'm caught up. 17 seasons. What the hell? How did you do that? It was a lot of... Netflix asking me, am I still watching? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, you know, like during the pandemic, I've done things like binge watching. I've uh, upgraded with my books. I've been reading a shit ton of books. um, Growing my my library, but also it's just been about like self-love, self-care. The -hmm. pandemic was so necessary for me. yeah. And I'm praying for those who have lost people within um who have lost people within this pandemic because it's been shitty and it's been super shitty on people of color specifically yeah. um which is unfortunate. For, so like it's just been an eye opener for me to like, you know, figure out truths about myself and to revisit me like I'm already by myself in a different state. This allows me have even more of a reason to dig deeper um mm. so yeah that's how i've kept myself entertained by like you know doing some self-love some self meditation motivation watching and um growing and you know really being in tune with a lot of shit i've really picked up on like reading more about malcolm x than what i've already read and I've been reading Huey P. Newton um, for the people and I'm reading the James Baldwin book right now. It's really been about me um, growing into the black culture and expanding the knowledge that I've had. Have you read this one? No. What is that? So I just, I bought it. So I'm a part of the Hispanic journalism um, committee. We give away scholarships and one of my favorite writers from San Antonio, he's a black writer. His name's Kerry Clack, fucking legend. You should look him up. He's literally one of the best writers ever. Okay. And he used to own this book because it says his name in there, and like he has all these notes in it. But um, 
you need to tell people what book it is because they're not going to see. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. So the, <laughs> the book is called The Price of the Ticket, um, Collected Nonfictions from 1948 to 1985 by Mr. James Baldwin, who I, he's one of my favorite people ever in history. Like, I love James Baldwin. The dude was just fucking wise beyond his years. Yeah, he was. Like, literally in, like, I, I can listen to his YouTube interviews over and over. I've seen his film, which was voiced by Samuel Jackson. And I didn't know until I the end of the- Negro on Netflix. I saw, it, I saw it in theaters at the Bijou. I remember, like, I was, I was like, I need to watch this. I need to watch this. And I saw, I went, that, and that's back when I was, like, watching movies by myself in the theaters, which was, which was not as bad as I thought it was. It's fucking dope. It's I not bad. I do that, and I go and drink at the bar by myself. That's not bad, people. You should be able to entertain and enjoy your own company without being influenced from someone else. And I save a lot more money, too. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so um, what's the book called by James Baldwin that you're reading again? Uh, the Fire Next. or Yeah, The Fire Next. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> it's all right we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll edit it in oh <laughs> uh, no wait she said no way that doesn't sound right wait james Baldwin, the the fire next time i was just missing a word the fire next time mm. um and it's just a uh, uh, a couple of letters that he wrote to his nephews just trying to encourage them and open their eyes about the society that they are growing into in this society that like you know we live in and it's just sad i was literally crying when i was reading it because i'm like yo this man wrote this shit back in the 80s and yet here we are in 2021 and the shit is still relevant um that's that's crazy right like you like a lot of like even a lot of what malcolm said is like it's still relevant like and it sucks it's like what the hell like you know he's been gone for so long and like like it, it it's just it's just nuts it baffles me and like i feel like a lot of people they like to say the system's flawed it's broken I'm like no the system is working because it's you know it doesn't want us to be in these spaces it doesn't want us you know like san antonio i love san antonio to death i, I love this city but the fact that we have 16 school districts is a fucking problem the fact wild. That, that's wild. 16 school districts. You know, we have housing projects that were built in the 40s that still look the same. They have mold, mm -hmm. they have rodents, mildew, all this stuff that plays mm -hmm. a role in people's health. Kids are developing asthma and all these other, you know, illnesses. Not because they're born sick, it's because they're living conditions. And it's just like, fuck, man, like you would think, you know, we're in like we 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 keep we keep beating everybody over the head with 2021 but it's like we're in 2021 and like people have like you know like eight regular ac units that don't even work their stove is their fucking heater it's like what the fuck man like super wow super wow yeah um usually i i um i end every episode by telling people to talk their shit you know you can you can gloat about something praise yourself about something or you could just talk your shit <laughs> that's hilarious so you, the floor is yours oh it's been yours but you know you 
First off, I'm a shit talker, so y'all are <laughs> You know, I just want to talk my shit about um, there being so much damn flavor when it comes to being a minority. There's a lot of things that a lot of people cannot accept because they don't have their own identity the way we have. And so there's nothing to be ashamed about with whatever it is that your family is very proud of. Mm-hmm. And if other people cannot accept that, that's their fault. Because if they don't have the heart to be open in the eyes, to be bright enough in the ears to actually listen to what it is that you're saying and accept a new percep- perception and perspective that possibly that they've never heard of before that's on them like don't dim your light to make someone else feel better about themselves when they were not blessed to be from the family you are from so whatever it is that makes you you like fucking own that shit and be proud of that shit whether you're hispanic whether you're black uh whether you could be white you know what i'm saying and there's something about you and your family that is a heritage thing that you're proud of that people might not receive all the time like who gives a damn like you being uniquely wonderfully made is what makes you better it is what makes you good and what makes you you so you know what i'm saying like just hone in on that and that is how you change the world by being the best version of yourself um, being honored about where it is that you and your family come from and that just makes the grind that much better and that makes victory that much better to taste because you know where your people come from you know the no's and the rejections and you know what your grandma had to do to put your mom in a position to put you in a position to get where it is that you're going so anytime when you achieve something truly like receive that shit and be about that shit i got my fucking master's degree and that is something that i am proud of because i am my ancestors wildest dreams i am now paving the way for multiple black women to come after me and find their own beat and to do their own thing all because i did something that my ancestors couldn't do which was get my education so i take that with pride that i'm an educated black woman in america and that i'm in a predominantly white industry to where they don't accept me off the rip who gives a damn because you know what i'm saying like i know that it, it like i know what it took to get here and i knew that i know being me and like staying real to myself and never compromising who i am will get me where i need to go and that's what matters that's just what matters period oh. point blank and that's how mary had a little lamb <laughs> that, that's probably like one of the best no the, that's probably no that's not probably it is the best talk your shit because people usually like say something brief but you ooh. you know yeah. i just want people to feel encouraged you know what i'm saying like i just think that like as people of color we're always put down we're always told to be humble and modest and we are humble and modest but at the same time we deserve to be here we deserve to make and create a table of our own if we're not invited to sit at a fucking table that the others are at like make your own fucking table and we can do this like there's power in numbers and i think that we forget that but if you realize that you can like 
link arms with the person next to you who relates to you maybe like i'm black you're hispanic but we still relate in some type of way to where there's powers with us coming together but first you have to know who you are first you have to identify with who you are and that's what i liked about like this past summer i liked and i love watching hispanics join hands with the black americans because no i'm not hispanic and no i'm not trying to culture appropriate who you guys are but because you know where you come from and your people and who who your people are in the same way i do of mine that's what makes us even more more stronger more powerful because we have an identity like where it's crazy what we can do when we come together and and come together because we can relate on being different versus trying to be the same mm. that's why we have so much damn flavor Ooh, i love it where can the people find you you can find <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on all social media platforms as she reports man I, like you like you got that handle quick i was like man like like for me i remember like early on i like use like underscores and stuff and then i figure out oh you'll be sports guy jose and yeah. I, don't even cover, I don't even cover sports like that anymore but i don't care i'm, I'm just that's that's how people know me <laughs> as long as they know you yes matters well i appreciate you chopping it up with me i know thank you gotta you work tomorrow me. yeah um thank you all for listening this is episode 24 the 24. kobe, kobe bean brian <laughs> and i always end it by saying to everybody stay brown <laughs> hey brown that's fucking hilarious that's fucking hilarious uh, literally brown, my coach bro. my coach told me that after basketball practice he had dropped me off at home one time and it was like hey stay brown and he never remembered telling me that so i was like it's my catchphrase now so stay brown and stay proud yeah exactly